Max Garland unloads one deep left center. Back to the warning track goes Herrera. Here the wall, it's off the base. Here's Nimmo around third. He'll come hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. It's the home of all your New York Mets updates. You knew that already. That's Jeremy. I'm Jolivy. And we got more Mets talk to talk about today, including yet another series win i feel like i'm never gonna open the episode on a down note at this point you can't well you kind of open it up on a down note for that dud of an opener Jolliver. oh wow <laughs> couldn't oh Nights you were so out. down i know 30 you had, seconds I know in. You had covid and i know you're fighting back but i mm. need some energy jolly right, i'm sorry i'm gonna bring it coffin take it all, right, all right give me that give me that here look i've got the shea station mug and you got the new shirt Mm. with my face on it it's you know it's funny so like uh my neighbors down the street um there were some drainage issues on the actual street and so there's a whole bunch of uh like cement equipment i've got two little boys that love you know very boy stuff and they're like mm. oh sweet there's like a cement mixer and they're laying new curb because they had to regrade it so the water doesn't sit in front of one of my neighbor's houses okay and so this morning i'm out there and because we're shooting this sh- uh, show i have i purposely put this shirt on it has my face on my own shirt and i'm <laughs> yeah, carrying my son around and um the whole time i'm like these guys are like this guy's wearing a shirt with his own face on it what a what a dick <laughs> how conceited do you have to be to promote yeah exactly and so i was around. like it's a cool shirt i still like it but i realized in public i'm probably not going to wear a picture of my own face i'll That's wear why my I own got, shirt like, yeah, yeah. I'll There's wear like wrong the Shea the Station promo. Like I'm cool with that. I'll wear the hat if we ever get hats. Rock the mug. But like a picture of myself on my t-shirt, weird. I, I, I think was that, uncomfortable. That's got to be a show or like a pajama shirt. I got like just the words. So then when I walk around, people are like, wow, he really thinks he's like kind of full of himself. You know, he thinks he's a great human being. It's kind of weird. They don't get the context, but it's okay. It's a nice shirt. I want to, I want to, I, we need to take like a poll, like a, a survey. Excuse me, sir. Do you have time to answer some questions? <laughs> There's not enough of that on the streets of New York. We're going to be bothering a lot of people about our merch. I don't think this Can is going to we just say well. like, uh, one of the great blessings about the pandemic is that solicitors on the sidewalk have been fewer and far between. Mm, mm, they're not just like, do you have time? I still to... see them, but they're yeah, there. They, and yeah. they don't get in your face as much. And so right. you can definitely avoid that awkward like uh, no don't follow me kind of how thing. bad was it when you were playing oh living in my New York? goodness i bet it was horrible between that and like the you know most of the time the on like the on train entertainment is usually like at least entertaining but there's a lot of very aggressive like give me the monies <laughs> and i'm like all right uh now i have a mask on i just like no and they see you with the, with a shirt on, with your face on, and they know that you're filthy rich. <laughs> like this guy's you know? a jerk. He'll, he won't give me anything. Guys, we're going to we're, we're gonna get into it. We're going to get into it. But first, got to tell you about mine and Jerry's good friend for our yes. ad today. It's a company ad. I love company ads. John Boy Media has a new show, guys, and I've been enjoying it because it's a show about a sport that I didn't know a lot about and I'm learning about every single time that I listen. It's hosted by our good friend Dan Canobio. Inside Boxing Live is now live on John Boy Media. Uh, in the show, Dan dives into the wild world of boxing. They've had guests like Mike Tyson. I'm sure you've heard of him. Dame Lillard, Ryan Garcia, and Canelo Alvarez. And speaking of Canelo, he just lost in stunning fashion, and his next move is being debated. So whether you're already a boxing fan or you're looking to learn more about boxing in general, this is the show for you. I knew nothing about boxing before I met Dan. Now I still kind of know nothing, but I have surface-level knowledge to engage in conversation <laughs> with. I take a lot of pride in that. New episodes get released uh, every Monday and Thursday, so we'll have a Canelo recap show on Monday. So head over to John Boy Boxing YouTube channel or any of your favorite podcast apps to check him out. Go ahead, Jerry. I, I love boxing, and I met Dan. He was in our Blitzball tournament, um, and so I started chatting with him. The guy knows his stuff. Like I, He's my go-to now. Like It's very simple. Um, you know, like if you watch on the app, the MLB app, if you watch the games on there, uh, Ryan Garcia, who he just talked about interviewing and Dame Lillard are in a Gatorade commercial constantly. Like I yeah. see it 50 times, you know, every, every game. Um, but he's, he's the man he's really, I mean, he's, he's in a, a boxing family. 
boxing is making an absolute resurgence right now. There's a it's lot really cool. of exciting fighters coming up. And so uh is the man boxing live. I think it's, if you go to YouTube, John boy boxing, it'll, it'll pop up all his yeah. stuff. He's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. Uh, Dan's friends with Dame Lillard and, you know, I've interacted with Donovan Mitchell on Twitter. So it's like, we're all friends with NBA stars, you know, it's basically yeah, all mean, the same. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's all the same. The it's all interchangeable. You know, can't really tell it apart. All right, Love should it. we finally talk Mets? It's been like 20 I years. Think so. I, I think so. I think they're ready. Probably, I think the yeah. people are ready for Mets talk. I think they're itching. The mm. guy that uh, just hit the 15-second skip just found the spot. He's like, let's go. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put a we'll put a little marker for him. Yeah, sure. We'll make Jack do it. All right, game one. Mets rolled into D.C. Carlos Carrasco took the hill. He had just tossed eight terrific innings, and he came back and he had another fantastic start here against the Nationals. Six and two-thirds innings. Two earned runs allowed. Seven hits. No walks, as always, for Cookie. Five strikeouts and just the one home run on 83 pitches. He lowers his season ERA to 3.17 over six starts. The Mets fell behind early in this one, two to nothing, and they really couldn't get anything going. They had runners on first and second in the third, fourth, and fifth inning. Couldn't score any of those times, but Jeff McNeil came through with a screaming liner off Josh Bell that he might have been able to field, but, like, we're going to take it. I don't think it counted as an error, so that's cool. Uh, he gets two runs on that. James McCann punched one to right field to give us a sack fly and a 3-2 to two lead. And then the Mets bullpen does what they do. Drew Smith has another scoreless inning under his belt. That goes to 13 and a third innings on the year. That was a perfect seventh inning for him. Joely Rod- Joe Rodriguez got a clutch foul flyout from Juan Soto. Soto did not look happy after that at bat. And then Edwin Diaz, who didn't really have full control of this fastball, still worked it, still was beautiful against the Nationals. He gets his seventh save. The Mets win this one 4-2, but they really didn't do a fantastic job offensively. They had a runner on in every inning except the first inning, but only scored four runs. They were 2-for-14 with runners in the scoring position. They hit into two double plays, but at the end of the day, as long as you beat the teams that you should beat, a win is a win. Definitely, and game one, you want to get out. And that brings us to game two, which is another speaker for your boy Jerry here. Uh, this was slated to be a pitching beauty, but Tyler McGill didn't have his A stuff. There was some talk about uh, him being tipping his pitches, which I think we can cover a little bit later. I think it's true. Uh, but the Mets put up three in the top of the first off Aaron Sanchez. Pete Alonso out of that DH spot hits a big two run home run um, after Nimmo led off with a double and then uh, scored and then hit a home run. Tyler McGill only goes one and a third, gives up eight runs on eight hits with one walk, only one K, had gave up a home run to the aforementioned Juan Soto in the first on a fastball down the middle. And then he gives up one to Nelson Cruz in the second on a changeup down the middle. Uh, his ERA from this game came in at a 2-4-3. It exits at a 4-4-1. So he basically doubled his ERA. Tough. That's tough. Uh, but after that, the bullpen once again came up clutch. Trevor Williams looked great. Steven uh, Nagosik had like three innings of no hit ball looking fantastic, uh, dialed in better than we've ever seen him. Um, and for his efforts, he gets a quick demotion back to AAA. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for, for, your, for your work. Um, but the Mets failed to draw a walk this game, which is surprising. Um, actually Aaron Sanchez after that three spot really looked well. He actually came out of the game after he took a line drive from Pete Alonso, 113 off the, off the bat, hit him in like his glove hand. Uh, and they took him out. He looked really good. Um, but the, the Mets actually did hit pretty well. They had seven hits after the first and didn't score. Nemo, Alonso, Guillaume all had multiple hits. They actually had a chance for some comebacks. So the game, even though McGill gave up eight and an inning and a third there were moments in this game especially in the ninth where we're like hey are we going to do something amazing is this going to be another epic comeback and they just came up short but in a game that that looked like it was going to be uh an absolute blowout to still have opportunities to to fight back is the key there yeah i, I think that's a, a good takeaway there i also yeah steven Nagosik was so good in this game we had heard briefly in the offseason that he had changed up some things about his repertory he increased his velocity a little bit he looked fantastic for three and two-thirds innings him and trevor williams did a really good job keeping the mets in the game we talked a lot about 
how important <clears throat> Adonis Medina and Jason Shreve were in the Phillies comeback game. It could have just been the same story here, though they really kept them in the game the whole time. We've gotten a lot of great innings out of the kind of the C guys in the Mets bullpen, not the guys that you consider staying on the roster or putting in big spots. And that really just goes to show the depth that this team has behind their guys. It's really cool. So good on Negosic. Oh, oh, we'll probably see it again. How him. would you rate uh, Negosic's mustache? I I personally enjoyed it. I wouldn't go that bushy. Um, I like like a thinner, more fine mustache. But he grow, could you personally grow a bushy mustache? I could try. It wouldn't look fantastic. I feel like it would go over my lips and just look kind of sloppy. Negosix was like full, and it it's looked a, like he could a, grow a full. It's beard. a full Tom Selleck, you know, you know, late '80s, early '90s mustache. It's impressive. I liked it. I was a big fan. I was very impressed with Negosix. I feel like he has a new character now, a new persona. Well, new yeah, swagger. he's had the mustache before, That's... but not like that. Not like well, that. Well, it yeah, looks like on. it looks like a, a piece of flair when you're throwing that well. Exactly. So good for Negosic. Hopefully we see him again soon. I'm sure we will. Him and Adonis Medina, they've been too good to just stash in AAA forever, along with David Peterson, who's chilling down there too. Not chilling. He's working, man. Staying, staying lengthened out. Anyway, let's go to game three. Game three. The reason that David Peterson's in AAA is because Taiwan Walker is back and healthy, and he got the bump in game three here, and he was awesome, even though he was battling injuries the entirety of this game. Seven shutout innings for Taiwan Walker, three hits, one walk, one strikeout on 85 pitches. Uh, things could have got a little hairy in the fourth inning. Uh, Juan Soto was on second base with nobody out. And then just a bizarre double play. A ground ball hit to the left side. I think Soto might have thought it was going to go down the line. He ran to third. He gets tagged out by Eddie in a rundown. And then Josh Bell, who hit the ball and got to second base, Went to third on an errant throw by Taiwan Walker, but Starling Marte was right there to back it up and gun him down. A very bad display of fundamentals by the Nationals, and that's just kind of how the year has gone for them. Uh, Mets offense also wasn't fantastic in this game, except for one man, Mark Canna, who came up clutch in the first inning with a two-out, two-run single against Joanna Don. Uh, the Mets made him throw 40 pitches in the first, which was nice. Canna also punched a ninth-inning home run off Steve Ciszek, which was kind of like some nice revenge for the Mets. Ciszek was the one that hit Lindor in the face. Uh, six of the nine Mets starters go hitless in this game, but Canna goes three for four. He really carries the offense. Diaz came in for the non-save. He allowed a Juan Soto home run. That's kind of just how things go with Juan Soto. I really liked your tweet, which I want you to talk about. Uh, but the Mets win the rubber match 4-1. Uh, to one. They take another series. They're 9-0-1 and one in series on the year. Uh, it was a good game, man. Like you said, Canna, he, we scored what? Four runs. Is that right? And uh, yeah, four runs. Two RBI and two. Yeah. He's, he had two RBI, two, three RBI, two runs scored. Like he was a part of every single thing. It was amazing. Yep. Um, Taiwan Walker. Uh, he's not really, you, you talked about him battling injuries, uh, allegedly because yeah. he does not reveal anything. Uh, he will not tell you any secrets. He keeps them uh, at at close to his to his to his vest. There, um, I think he was bad. A little bit of a uh, more not injury. I would say he was uncomfortable. Uh, maybe a stiff back. Maybe um, he just was tight. He would look like his maybe his hamstrings, lower back, somewhere around that area. He just wasn't feeling great. Uh, but he looked great. He didn't have his. He, his pitching line is kind of like how the Mets have been doing it. Like there, there's a lot of talk about the Mets exit velocity being down from the offensive standpoint, but they just, they're just taking advantage. You shift them. They're hitting the ball the other way. McNeil, Nemo, all these guys are doing it. I feel like Taiwan Walker and his lack of punch outs lately is kind of that same thing where if you see his line, you're like, Oh, you know, only one strikeout. He must be getting lucky because they're putting the ball in play. It's just not going anywhere. No, he's getting weak contact by design. He's keeping hitters off balance. He's throwing that good splitty in the zone when he needs to. Uh, he looks great. Uh, I'm very, very impressed with, with his outing. Um, seven strong, three hits, one walk, one punchy. I thought he, I thought he did great. Uh, yeah, he made, I, um, some plays I think defensively. He's just the type of guy that I think like baseball savant probably doesn't like because of the exact thing that you mentioned. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys, but his soft contact percentage is 12.3 right now, which is about where it was last year. And that's really just what's given him success. So I'm, I don't think you need to change the formula. I agree. So I want to cover two things. I want to talk about Tyler McGill and Edwin Diaz in the ninth. I'll do Diaz first because it's cool. very simple. Uh, so if you remember earlier in the season, 
Edwin Diaz gave up a solo home run to Mr. Juan Soto uh, on a fastball away. He just hit it away. It blooped into the, the stands. Not a big deal. Uh, understanding that they have a four-run lead in the game. Juan Soto's up. Can't hurt him. The only way he can hurt him is if he just puts him on and then it starts to, to change. Yep. So he gets, he's battling him. He didn't throw him one slider. He's throwing hard. He's trying to get him out. He threw 101, 100, 100.5. And he leaves one a little bit middle and Soto crushes it sitting fastball. But guess what? It's now four to one. Juan Soto is not there anymore. And now you have the rest of the team. Uh, I think it's purposeful. And I think it's Diaz and Hefner and Buck Showalter all coming together and understanding that later on in the season, Juan Soto is going to come up in a bigger situation where it's a one run game and there's runners on second and third or bases loaded. And Diaz is going to have to attack him so he's saving his bullets he's saving that slider for a moment in the season when he really needs to go to it whereas before you would think uh, Edwin Diaz is just trying to strike everybody out he understands like his numbers or what they are he's just trying to, to do it but he I think he's really thinking big picture here on a season and saying you know I don't need to show him everything I don't need to show him my whole hand here because this is a war and I don't have to win this battle. He can have this one if need be. I'm still going to try to get him out with my 100-mile-an-hour fastball, but I don't need to show him, like, all my tricks. And so I think he I think he let that one get away on purpose, not just didn't obviously want to give up a home run, but I think he he backed off of his, his A stuff and that slider, which he would normally go to there for a punch out, um, simply because he knows he's going to face him in a bigger spot. Yeah, I really like that point. It's kind of something that you never think about uh, when you're when you're watching these games live as a fan. Uh, you kind of only think of like the immediate results and like, oh, I guess Edwin was off today. But no, there is probably a game plan in line there. And I think that the Mets knew that going in, putting in Diaz in a non-save situation, that the stakes were low. Obviously, you don't let things get away from you in the moment, but when it's two outs, nobody on, and you have Juan Soto up, he can't beat you is the general consensus there. So I really like that point. I'm pretty sure Edwin Diaz was factoring that in now because his slider has looked unhittable this season. And you don't and want it was to unhittable in that inning. And he exactly. shook away from it too. He said, no, I want to throw this. Yeah. So I've done that before in my career when I'm facing, especially when I'm coming in, uh, when the, the game's not on the line, I'm facing a guy. I'm going to try to get him out with something that's different. That way, when I come to face him in a bigger situation, I can get him out the way I want to. But in his head, he's like, he got me out on this pitch last time. I might be looking for that, which, you know, just adds a bonus to when it really counts. And in that situation, it didn't. I really do think um, as power stuff as as Diaz has, I think he's playing a little bit of chess in a, in a complex world here. And I, I love to see it. It's a long season, man. And Diaz is going to be the guy at the end for the entirety of it. So I like that point a lot. Yeah. So let's get on Tyler McGill and the possibility of him tipping his pitches. So I took a little bit of a deeper dive. Uh, I'm not used to this technology to where, you know, like if I were still playing, I'd go into the clubhouse and I could break Mm -hmm. it down slow-mo, different camera angles, and I can actually watch the pitches a little bit. I had to do it like in a different way, look at baseball, all that stuff. So I can't tell you for sure if he's tipping or not, but I really do think he was on that. I think they had something on his changeup in particular um, because they teed off on it. And when it was a good one, um, they spit on it. Or even when it was a good one, they went down and got it because they knew it was going to be an off-speed pitch. Um, And when you have one of your pitches, all the other ones kind of fall into place because you can guess like, all right, I know it's not a changeup. So it's, if it's a fastball, it's going to stay. If it's that slider, I know what it looks like. So if I can eliminate that one pitch, you can take a peek at the other ones. Right. Plus he just was throwing a lot of pitches middle. I think he was, he, he saw that he was getting hit around a little bit. I think he tried to reach back and use stuff versus location um and he got beat up a little bit and that's not a bad thing I mean obviously it's not great but these are learning situations and I think he's going to be a better pitcher in the long run after that because he's going to be like you know I still have to pitch I'm going to learn you're going to get your lumps uh and he's going to sew up his mechanics however he was tipping his pitches because I promise you that the the whole Mets staff is dedicated to helping him figure this out because he's such a 
a major piece of their success. But I, I really do think they had something on them. And it snowballed with him trying to overpower versus, you know, take advantage of that. If they know you're throwing a, a fastball, throw it two inches off the plate in or two inches off the plate away. Because if they're guessing and they guess right, it's really hard for a hitter to say, I'm right, but also not swing. So you can take advantage of, of guys that guess and guess right. So there's there's ways that he could have battled out of it. But now him, but now he knows he's a better pitcher today because of how bad he did. Uh, yeah, I liked some of the points you made there. It's not like his velocity was gone. He touched 98 in this game, so it's not like he was missing something there. Uh, I think what really pointed it out for me was uh, Kiebert Ruiz both at the plate and on the base paths. Ruiz swung, I think, first pitch on a changeup way below the zone uh, and just dunked it into right field, barreled it perfectly. Uh, so either, you know, great approach to hitting, took a guess, guessed correctly, or he knew a changeup was coming, like we mentioned. And then Kiebert straight steal on the changeup later. First stolen base of the year, not really something you'd see from a catcher. So those were kind of alarming points for me. Also, you know, the, Nat, the Nats have some great hitters. Like Juan Soto made, saw a mistake, made him pay. Nelson Cruz did the same thing. He's been doing that for years. And I think what you mentioned before was important. Like McGill can learn a lot from an outing like this. I think he was trying to overcompensate, attack the zone, get outs quickly to try and get himself deeper in the outing. Because if you remember versus the Giants, he struggled really early on and then found it later in the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning, was able to turn in a pretty good outing. This time around, I think that strategy doesn't doesn't work just because of whatever the Nats have on you or their approach is just working that day. Um, but McGill will learn from this. He's a great pitcher. I think that he wasn't going to be perfect all year long. He had an ERA below two in April. That wasn't going to stick. Um, but still pretty alarming. Yeah, I, I'm, I am not worried at all. Oh, we're going to look yeah. for a bounce back his next outing. We're hoping he's going to have, you know, his, his a stuff. He's going to go back to just dominating, but I, I, I'm truly not worried if he's tipping his pitches again, I'll be worried if they haven't made an adjustment there. Um, that's, that'll be a worry, but he's going to, I mean, this is the big leagues. You're going to get hit around a little bit sometimes. Um, you know, just, he threw a lot of pitches down the middle as well. So that's gonna, that's gonna be tough no matter how good your stuff is. But, uh, saving grace of this entire series is that the Mets really did not use their bullpen, even in a series where Tyler McGill went one in the third inning. Um, they threw two innings yesterday, uh, between, I think Diaz and Lugo, and then in game one, it was Drew Smith, Joely, and Diaz again. So, I mean, Chase and Shreve didn't throw a pitch. Adam Adovino didn't throw a pitch. Now you have these guys fully rested for the weekend, thanks to Nagosik and Trevor Williams. So good on them. Lugo looked great, too, by Lugo the way. Lugo did look great. He, he looks like great. his confidence is totally back. That curveball is spinning like it usually does. It's Nasty nice to say. Yep. Nice to say. So that's good to see. Correct. Uh, we got some team notables. Mark Canna, who was the star of the last game. He's 9 for 28 with 10 RBIs uh, with runners in scoring position this year. So he's been clutch. Really like to see him more in the middle of the lineup like he was uh, in game three there. Brandon Nimmo very quietly with a 23-game on-base streak. That's kind of what Nimmo does day in and day out. And we just mentioned that terrific Mets bullpen. Over their last six games, 21 in the third innings, 23 strikeouts, one earned run. Their ERA of 3.27 is actually lower than Mets starters now. The whole story is that the Mets had this fantastic rotation, but with the Tyler blow-up shooting that number up in the Mets bullpen, how good they've been. They're actually lower now, 3.27 to 3.30. And then a fun little tidbit I found from uh, Anthony DeComo. The Mets have 54 infield hits on the season, 19 more than any other team. You talked about the exit velocity thing, uh, the the BABIP, how people are like, oh, the Mets are going to regress. No, I think the team is just beating out the grounders they should, hitting it where they're not, and that's a really good approach. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's again, that's a lot more. You know, if, I guess if you're trading the hit-by-pitches for infield hits, I'm not sure how you feel. They're both wins if you're talking yeah. about on-base percentage. Um, but, like, yeah, if you're not watching the game, there's a lot of, like, red flags for this team's success. And if you are watching the games, you're seeing it like Marte beats out that an infield single. That's what he does. He's super fast. You're and then the kick starts that. a seven run rally. So Yeah. And if you, and if you shift a guy, uh, say you're shifting Nimmo from the left side and he just shifts like little bloops one to the shortstop and the shortstop has to run over and get it and doesn't make a throw. That's an infield hit, but it's that's by design. how game three started. He hit one yeah. down the left field line and no one was there. And he turned yeah, into but a that double. got into the outfield for a double. Right. But if, if the, if somebody, dives and makes that play but doesn't get to throw that that's considered an infield hit it is what it is but these guys are doing it on purpose it's it's purposeful they're they're handling the bat they're playing pepper it's awesome to see you you, we haven't seen this style of hitting 
in a long time. Like we're seeing how effective this is the Jeff McNeil approach to almost the whole team. You know, even Pete Alonso's yeah. crushing the ball a lot. Yes. And, but he'll go the other way when there's an RBI opportunity and the team shifted him. I did make a note for Mr. Pete Alonso, the first baseman uh, as a DH. Here's his line. He only has nine games as a DH. Okay. Uh, he's batting 314, a 385 on base percentage, slugging 800. Oh his my. OPS, his OPS as a DH is 1185. <laughs> his OPS as a first baseman in, I think, 24 games is 726. Mm. Significantly lower. Jerry with the research kind of so, like that. Because he's been absolutely mashing the ball as a I DH. Know. I think five of his eight home runs are as a DH in only nine games. Right, I, I want to ask you, I, did you see the report that Buck is having Mark Canna take reps at first base? I have because he's played there before. And yeah. it's like a if he starts playing first base, what would be what would happen to the outfield if Canna plays some first base? So McNeil would play left and then Guillaume would probably play second. And that would be every day. Guillaume has been hitting well. So, I mean, I, yes. I get where I'm not, what I'm Buck's not sure. Of. I love Guillaume as a player. I'm not sure his body, his, his, he's willing to, or he can, he's capable of playing every day for a long stretch, but he's hitting mm. now. Yeah. Um. So is this, you think Canna playing first base is to get Guillaume in the lineup every day? I think it. So I think it's exactly or what more you often. said. I think it's to get Alonzo in the DH spot. I think that these guys are aware of those splits. I'm I wasn't aware how drastic the splits were. A 400 point difference in OPS mm-hmm. is enormous. Yeah. And normally you'd think like, oh, you have Dom to play first base, but Dom, it's been a struggle. I don't. A lot of people are at the point where they think they're going to cut Dom. I don't think that's going to happen no. because they just made the effort to cut Cano. So I don't think Dom's going anywhere at least for another couple months. They're going to stretch him out as much as they can. Um, but Canna going to first, that's really interesting because when you have McNeil going to left, like Canna usually gets those days off, but Canna, I feel like he's a guy you can play every day. He's batting 300. He's this on-base machine. His numbers with runners in scoring position have been fantastic. He's a guy I want in there every day. And I, I understand that Guillaume gives you a plus def- plus defender at second base and he has been hitting well, which is uncharacteristic of him. Um, so Buck does have a lot of options and I think he's expanding the lineup even more, which is crazy to me. Uh, Canna can't play every day. He should be playing every day. That's what you signed him to do. That's yeah. what he's doing successfully. I'm checking his career positions here. His career fielding. I yeah. So he's played too. in 106 games uh, as at first base in his career. Yeah. In the big league. That's a, that's a pretty decent sample size. Yeah. Yeah. That is. And he's hit 278 with a 470 slug. You know, he's done well. I mean, he's even got three games at third base, like emergency. Yeah. Um, the guy can play. He can play first base. Um, and he rakes. So if, if whatever, again, whatever Buck it wants you to do, just in case, he's he's thinking of scenarios that we're not, there's no way. He's way smarter than us. He sees something that we don't. He's preparing for something. Canada having the ability to stay sharp at first base because it's just in his back pocket. Is, is That could be it too. He just wants him to, to do it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be shocked to see it. And as far before we move on from Canada, I wanted to talk about Dom. There's no way they're going to cut Dom. Dom is still a trade piece. If they want to trade him, they'll trade him. Um, They'll put him back on the chopping block. Um, But he's they're They're not making a move drastic anytime soon. I, I just think that the clock is ticking now. Might be, Dom. Yeah. I think they made him a little comfortable before, and now it's ticking a little bit because J.D. Davis, is, his at-bats have been good. Um, I think he's getting a lot of tough luck and a lot to uh, just where fielders are, but his, uh, his, his approach has been good. His peripherals are through the roof. Baseball Savant really loves J.D., and I think that if you put Canna at first, then you have Alonzo DHing. When Alonzo's not DHing, it's probably J.D. there, so then where does Dom fit? And that's Tom becoming, on the on the bench as a, as a he, pinch hitter. You know, him and you Guillaume know? take a little swap. That's fine. Yeah. This is the big leagues, man. You 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 tried to to make it work. And I understand Dom's position of wanting to play every day because you have some leverage in in certain situations, but he's a member of this ball club proudly and happily. 
uh, and he's trying to help the team win. If that's not in the everyday lineup, you suck it up and you do what you have to do. And then if the next year comes up, then you, you, you try to battle for that everyday kind of job, but this is where you are. If you're not going to be a team player, no other team is going to want you to come in and be ruffle feathers. And Dom knows that. And so he's, I don't think Dom's upset with his playing time. He understands what's happening. He gets it. It's a meritocracy. You're, you you got to you got to do it man wow You're, it's based off of production jerry meritocracy look at you <laughs> isn't that goodness. the dream though don't you yeah. want everything in this world to be based off of your actual production and right. this is you know for the most part there's a bunch of stuff that goes into baseball where you know your draft capital you know what guy likes you and then once you get up here you have to perform those yeah. stats that go on the back of your baseball card those are the real deal that's who yeah. you are as a player. And if, you, if you're if you not good, you can't be mad. Dom is one for 18 since the four for four game that many presume might have saved his job. So I think uh, the clock is ticking. We're so, rooting for Dom. But... Well, he went four for four. They yep. released Cano. He got that standing ovation, hit a double, and then he's 0 for 17. Yeah, just okay. about. Yeah, he has four starts since then. And, uh, Three zero for four is one one for four. That was the double. A couple of pinch hits there as well. So over since over since yeah. that first. Hit. It's a tough look. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a small sample size again, and yeah. it's streaky. You see, you see this a lot, and so I'm not worried about Dom's position on the team. But that's the thing, though, the streakiness. Like this is a very consistent Mets team that has a formula for success and getting on base and. They can't afford to have any hole in that lineup, any any trip to that next man up formula, you know? Yeah, but who? what are you going to do? Replace him with another guy that doesn't get much playing time that's not as good at first base, you know? I, that's, mean, I mean, Mark Vientos is raking in AAA right now. Has he – how do you – You he's never faced big league pitching at all, and you're going to come up and you're just going to throw him out there? I get listen, I'm a big Vientos guy. I'm getting excited about him. I like Vientos as well, but there's there's it's it's really hard to get a young guy yeah. involved in a team that's ready to win and trying to win now because you yeah. you don't want to start his clock too early and you don't want him to come up and sit on the bench. If he's mm-hmm. if if an injury happens and he's gonna get significant at bats, then you can call him up. But if he's just going to be a piece, then, you know, he's too valuable to not get regular at-bats to learn to, to get that experience. So that's that's you're in a tough position. I know a lot of teams have been doing it lately. And if you look around the league, there's a lot of really young guys that came up really early that are struggling. And the league is struggling in general and offensively, but a lot of it is just lack of experience, man. There's There's some seasoning that needs to happen for a lot of young hitters because pitchers – are very good at this level and you need to see it more often and you don't want to have failure your first taste of the big leagues because all of a sudden you realize that you know you're vulnerable and you're not you're not superman and a lot of young guys have never felt that before and baseball will humble you and on the big league stage when there's microphones in your in your face every day some some people can disappear with that yeah and we do have a guy uh, coming to town this weekend who is very familiar with that early stage of failure. We're oh, yeah, talk good about that point. A little That's bit. it. Before we get to that, though, we got to tell you about uh, another one of our sponsors for this episode because you guys know this by now, but Chase Station has gone Hollywood. We're, we're sellouts. We get ads now. It's whatever, guys. Uh, Greg Moore's cards. More baseball cards for you guys. It's the most trusted sports card seller on the planet. Uh, Greg Moore's cards sells over 80,000 sports cards every month, over 2,000 a day, exclusively on eBay. Over a million cards last year in 2021. GMC is known for selling vintage cards, but we also sell modern cards. All of today's stars show Hey Otani, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, plus all the hot young players too, like uh, Spencer Torkelson, Bobby Witt Jr., Jordan Alvarez, and more. There's free combined shipping when you order two or more cards, and a lot of people trust GMC. Greg Morris and his team hand grade every card they sell. Buyers have been trusting GMC for years, and if Greg says the card is mint, 
you know the card is mint. I like that a lot. Very confident ad copy here. So go to gregmorriscards.com to see their inventory and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see exclusive content for deals. And this month only, when you check out, send them a message through eBay saying you heard about GMC through John Boy and get $5 off your order of $50 or more. That's gregmorriscards.com. Very cool. Greg Morris or Greg Norris? Greg Morris, not like Chuck Norris, not his like, brother. Like Jack Morris. Like Jack Morris. I don't think they're related, though. Okay. Well, I don't, you don't know that. He's got to have a Jack Morris card, right? Come on. Uh, that's true. He's probably got a few. Picture of Good the old. 80s. How do you want to do this? I know you're going to go rankings. Do you want to do the Apple first? Apple of Apple our Apple first. Eye? Let's Apple do first. It. Apple the first. Apple of our eye. Right. Just imagining the sound effect. You go first. Me? You do it. You let Crazy. me go first every time. This is, this is, let's, it's your turn. I'm a protector of the show Juju, but if you want you to want switch me to it up. again? All right. I'll I mean, listen, again. the Mets have been winning every series. I know. You change I up the formula. Duds, it's our fault. So let's, it's all about you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the apple of my eye is going to be a pitcher today, and it's Mr. Taiwan Walker. Much deserved. Taiwan Walker in the rubber match overcoming what looked like uh, some uncomfort or discomfort in his back, which is, you know, it's not, uh, it's not completely out of the norm to see a guy get heat packs in between innings. Either way, the guy in a clutch situation needing to win the game to win the series, which is what you want to do. He went seven strong, gave up zero earned runs and on three hits. He looked good. He was strong and confident. You just feel good about him being on the mound um by the way Juan Soto found out real quick that you don't run into a guy that's that big oh no and did you hear Taiwan after the game I loved his post-game interview they asked him about it and he said you know to be honest like about Soto sliding into him like that he goes I it made me a little mad because he didn't expect it because he was nowhere near the base you're five feet from third base kind of hold up uh so he got he got the he got lit up a little bit. Soto, you know you don't you don't want to run into a linebacker. He is a big boy. And the uh, standing over him, hulking over him like that. I get why he was mad though. Why are you getting spiked ten feet from third base? Correct. There's no he reason got, for he, it. He got ran into, and that's not something you do. It wasn't bush league, and it wasn't bad, but it just happened. No. Uh, but Taiwan Walker, seven strong, no earned runs in a must win rubber match against a team that you should beat up. Uh, he allowed the Mets to do that. So yeah, thank you to Mr. Taiwan. Golf Absolutely deserved. I do. Yeah, I feel like that was a fourth inning that could have got away from him very easily, especially with Josh Bell's hit that came after. Um, but no, I think that lit a fire under him, and I liked it a lot. I mean, obviously, I don't want him to get spiked because he's yeah, already all, injured on the day. But. And Starling Marte backing up. This is this is what's happening. This is a Buck Showalter thing, but it's also Marte's that kind of guy anyway. This is yeah. this is what he does. If you're a youth coach or you have a kid that's playing baseball and he wants to play outfield or just anything, this is why you pay attention to the game. Starling Marte, understand what's going on. A lot of fielders will just like stand there. He went, just in case this ball gets thrown away, he's there. He knew how far away to be just in case the ball goes left or right. That is the key. You see the catcher sprinting on an infield, like a ground ball to shortstop. He's sprinting down the first baseline to back up. 99 times he's not going to get to that that ball's going to be fine he's going to just look like he's wasting energy but that one time the ball gets away he's going to slide make that play that runner that just got an infield hit or on an error is going to make a move towards second base and the catcher's right there just heads up baseball just team baseball beautiful thing to see the Mets have been doing it all year uh I love it as a fan of the game that gets to watch it those those types of things would make me mad um, that it's not happening because it's laziness and it's it's a lack of focus um, organizationally to not enforce that. And for me to see it, I love it. I heard a lot of talk this offseason about all oh, the Mets are getting all these old guys, all these guys that are past their prime, whatever. Those those veteran moves, like they save you runs. They they help you escape bad situations. And that was a perfect example right there. So I really like that you pointed out Stalling Marte there. For my Apple, let's see. I got some choices. Brandon Nemo had a really nice weekend. Pete Alonzo hit another home run. Jeff McNeil did his usual thing, slapping the ball around, drew a couple walks. Uh, I'm also going to go with a Game 3 hero, and I'm going to give it to Mark Canna. 
Canna had a fat 0 for 5 in the first game. Kind of a tough look. He sat out game 2. And then he was the sole offensive proprietor in game 3. He had a 3 for 4 game. Home run, 3 RBIs. Couple runs scored there for Mr. Canna. He was very clutch in that game. I feel like um, I've been seeing him not play every uh, all three games of a series too often this year. I feel like he gets an off day here and there, which is totally fine. You know, we saw Eddie sit in game three. He's been struggling a little bit. But Mark Canna is a guy that can play every day. He's a guy that's batting over 300. He's been an on-base guy forever. We see him get some reps at first base now. I think Buck is finally waking up to the fact that, hey, this is my, maybe a guy that could benefit from playing every day, could really benefit this lineup. I mentioned it a bunch of times that he's like a second Brandon Nimmo in there. Um, but when he punches a home run to left field, you know, it kind of takes that to a whole new level. Mark Hanna is a guy you paid to come here and play every day. And I think that improving his versatility is going to be a huge benefactor for the Mets in the long run. And I just love his approach to an at-bat. I love that earlier in the series, Gary Cohen pointed out that even though Canna's succeeding, he's changing his approach to hitting because he doesn't think it's sustainable. I think that's such a veteran thing to do. And like I said before, you know, we heard a lot of talk about how oh, the Mets are getting all these old guys from across the league. I'm a huge fan of it. These guys know what they're capable of. They know how to succeed. And they know, they know the important fundamentals of baseball. And I think Mark Canna is a huge encapsulator of that. And he had a great last game that really carried the Mets offense. The Mets might have lost their first series of the year, if not for Mark Canna and Taiwan Walker. So I think they're very deserving of our apples this time around. Love that. Ooh. Love Canna. He's such Ooh. a pro. And uh, he is an old guy. So it's nice to see uh you know him getting some days off because it's it's hard to, to run around the field the whole time all day get locked in at the plate take you know 10 swings he takes so many swings because he fouls everything off like <laughs> his at bats go deep so it's that's how this is this is a win every game but also don't you know don't empty the tank every day it's kind of a uh it's a weird thing to do especially in may uh, but this is how you have to approach it. So I like it. All right, guys, before we tell you about next series, I want to just check in with how the Mets are doing around the league, because I think, you know, we have a lot of great performers this year. we got to highlight them. I'm going to a little shout out. I'm going to do, uh, you want like a little cool intro? We do the little music for Apple of our eyes. Rankings <laughs> roundup. Whoa. A how about PA that? There. We're like doing that. a rankings roundup. I love it. Uh, brilliant, jolly, because you want to see just kind of where our guys are slotting in across the league. So. Exactly. Uh, big Jeff McNeil fan club here. You guys know that uh, his 321 batting average, fourth in the National League, 1.1, uh, 1.4 fan graphs war. That's tied for fifth. Brandon Nimmo doing his usual on base thing. A 413 on base percentage is fourth in the NL. 16.4 walk percentages through the roof. That's third in the National League. Pete Alonso is slugging 508. That's 12th. In the NL and Nimmo, McNeil, and Alonzo, they've been the big three of the Mets lineup. They all rank in the top dozen in the National League for weighted runs created plus. That's sort of like OPS plus. Then over on the pitching side of things, Chris Bassett has been the ERA leader for the club so far. 2.45 is 10th in the National League. Max Scherzer, who we know as a huge strikeout king. He has a 34.3 strikeout percentage against batters this year. Second in the National League only to Carlos Rodon, who the Mets saw and uh, got dominated by a little bit. Carlos Carrasco, who's been controlling the zone and attacking hitters, he has a 4.1 walk percentage, which is fourth in the National League. His 1.01 whip is 11th in the NL. And then Scherzer and Bassett are matching in whip as well. 0.95, keeping it below one, which is always really nice. That's that both ridiculous. tied for A. To have a sub one whip is stupid. Like, that is exactly. crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I do feel bad for Tyler McGill because he was high in a lot of rankings before this weekend. I don't feel bad. He's okay. Uh, he'll be fine. He'll be back, guys. He doesn't it's need nice. to be in the ring. He'll be, he'll be okay. He can he'll come back. It. Yeah. Uh, we. Uh, I'm going to get Jack to like blow up your voice. Like, <laughs> round up. Like, I love Really it. echoey. You know, you like that? I do. Yeah, that's where I met Stan. They got two three-headed monsters offensively and on the pitching side of things. So it's really cool to see. And, you know, just keep trucking along. Jeff McNeil, keep hitting the ball where they're not. Brandon Nemo, draw your walks. Keep doing your thing, guys. So here we are. We're going to do some series preview. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, they mm. made big splash. Last year, they were like the MLB darlings trying to make the playoffs for the first time in like how? Since 2001, correct? Yeah, 2001. 2001, since... Ichiro Suzuki's rookie year when he won MVP rookie of the year. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs since. Uh, they won like 90 games last year and didn't make the playoffs. They tried to make it. And so they made some big splashes, went out and got, you know, AL Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray. 
Um, they called up their big guys. So here's here's just kind of a, what you're looking at. So they got Adam Frazier from the Pirates. Um, he's hitting 325. J.P. Crawford, they got a couple of years ago from uh, the Phillies. He's yep. raking. He's hitting 333. But they made a big trade for Jesse Winker, uh, Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. Uh, Winker hasn't been that guy for them that they they expect and want. He's hitting 204. Suarez is hitting 202. Um, not exactly ideal. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, the number one prospect in all of baseball, this giant of a center fielder, uh, runs, you know, complete five-tool guy. Uh, he's 21 years old. He's going to be a superstar in this league. Uh, everybody anticipates it. You know, baseball is baseball, not fail-safe, but he looks the part. Um, so you're going to want to watch that guy play. He's hitting 250. Uh, he's got 10 stolen bases already. It's wild. That's a lot. And he started, he started off slow and he's really coming around these last two weeks. So watch out. He's hot right now. Speaking of slow starts, uh, X met or X met minor leaguer, Mr. Jared Kelnick. Yeah. Um, a big part of that Edwin Diaz deal. Everybody's waiting to see if these two face face each other, which would be kind of cool. Uh, he's 22 now. Got some, he's got some, you know, some staying power. He's struggling mightily. Maybe one of the worst hitters in the game. He's batting 140, slugging 291. He's got an OPS of 509. Um, not ideal. He would yeah. probably have been optioned down had uh, Mitch Hanniger uh, not gotten hurt. So they really don't have the depth. Uh, so that's it. On the pitching side, we have a couple more ex-Mets. You have Mr. Chris Flexen who came up and he's been pitching well for them for a couple of years. Um, we won't face him this series, uh, but he, he looked great. And then you have uh, old Paul Seawald, old Mets friend who burst onto the scene in a big way last year, became one of their guys down the stretch, had an absolutely dominant season. Uh, he's pitching pretty well. He's got a three, eight, six ERA nine and a third, 10 strikeouts. We'll definitely see him in this three game series. I don't doubt but let's get to the series probable. Mm-hmm. Here we Tell are me about it. coming into town to face Mr. Max Scherzer is Marco Gonzalez. Uh, pretty good pitcher. Three, nine, one. Uh, Starley Marte is two for four with a homer off Gonzalez. Uh, Adam Frazier on the other side of things is seven for 20 with a home run off Mr. Scherzer. Uh, Marco has had two blow up starts and three quality starts in his young season. Kind of been, you know, a flip of a coin on what you're going to get. Uh, Scherzer hasn't been his absolute dominant self the last two starts, but we're looking for him to bounce back. Um, in game two, we have Chris Bassett, who played against these Mariners for quite a long time in the AL West uh, against George Kirby. This is another one of their big moves the Seattle Mariners made. George Kirby is a top prospect for them from the pitching side. He made his debut uh, last start, went six innings, gave up no runs, four hits, no walks, and seven Ks against the Rays. Absolute dominant. Let's beat this guy up, teach him a little humility in his second start in the big leagues. Um, Bassett versus Philly is last out. He went five and two thirds, gave up that one earned run, five hits, four Ks. He got the W. Um, so this brings into game three. Carlos Carrasco, cookie, coming off a stellar outing in his 3.19 ERA against reigning AL Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray in his 4.22 ERA. Eddie Escobar is three for four with two bombs and five RBI versus Ray. Some good numbers in a small sample size. Cookie has had back-to-back great outings in those two. He's 14 and two-thirds innings pitch with two runs, two walks, and 10 punches. Uh, Ray has yet to have a scoreless start. Hasn't gone over seven since opening day, and he's allowed six homers on the year. Let's hope the Mets tee off. Let's sweep these guys at home. Just take a nice deep breath and punch, punch out some Mariners. Very nice series looking, Jerry. A couple things I want to say. Yes. One, Jerry Kelnick. Uh, it's this is a this is a big series for Kelnick. Uh, I think that a lot of Mets fans have a, have a lot of feelings towards Kelnick, a lot of animosity. I personally don't because I love Edwin Diaz and I I have since twenty twenty. I've always been big on Diaz. It, it's it's uh, it's a huge moment in recent Mets history, this trade. It will always be talked about until these players don't play anymore, and even beyond because of what Robinson Cano's contract did to this team. Um, at the same time, Kyle Lewis is recovering from injury now, so when he comes back, it'll likely be Kalanick that goes down. I so Kalanick, about Kyle Lewis. That's a good call. Yeah, Kalanick, uh, he has a big spot in his shoulders, kind of similar to Dom, 
where the Mariners have a guy coming in and a spot to free up. Um, so it's it's likely him right now. The target's on his back, but this would be a good way to make a statement. Um, these Mariners that are hovering around 500, they are much, much more talented than that. The Mets are luckily dodging Logan Gilbert, who's been awesome this season. Um, so that's really good for them. George Kirby is a huge curveball for me. I don't know much about him. I just saw his one start, and he looked filthy. So I am worried yeah, about he's a big him. Prospect that they called up. They're trying to win, man. They they you know have big aspirations. Uh, they're falling behind in the AL West because the Angels the look Angels. legit with uh, Crazy. noted Mets legend and hero on Twitter of Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and Shohei and uh the Angels look good and then the Astros are are looking great as well. Um so yeah. the Mariners have an uphill battle. Yeah, I don't think the Mariners were counting on the Angels being this good. I really did think it was going to be a two, uh, two horse race out there. So this is an important series for them. They're kind of reeling right now and they they need a series win. They haven't gotten a lot of them this year. That Bassett versus Kirby matchup is going to be quite the pitcher's duel. I think that Robbie Ray, uh, you know, he's good. He's a great pitcher. I don't know if he'll be Cy Young again. Uh, the home runs are kind of coming up to bite him again. I think he held them at bay last year. Uh, this year, it's coming back a little bit. Uh, the Mets do have good sample sizes against him, but that's not really the new Same Robbie guy. Ray. Yeah, yeah. That's the Robbie Ray of old, you know, so it's, it's a whole different beast now. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to this series. It's been kind of on my mind since the season began. It's always kind of been circled in my calendar uh, because I I personally, I don't have a lot of ill will against the Mariners, but I know a lot of Mets fans do, and they really want this series to be the one. There should uh, be no ill will. And I hope it's that Kelnick doesn't get like a weird booing treatment because the guy didn't I do anything. I think he's going to get booed. You I think, think he's, he's going to get booed? booed? Yep. I Why? think 100% Kalanick is going to get booed. Did he say I, anything I, against the, the Mets? The kid no. was in A-ball, wasn't he, when he Not got traded? He's just symbolic of the trade, so he's going to get booed. Well, if anything, I would, I would put money happy. on it. How good has Edwin Diaz been? He's been terrific, and yeah. I think that I, I it's bizarre that the trade gets still gets brought up as much as it does, but yeah. I would bet the house. I would bet the uh, everything I got. I want to make an actual bet against you that he gets booed, because I don't think he's going to get booed. How much you want to put on it? I'll put 50. 50 dollars? I'll put How fifty about bucks. You buy so we're gonna be going to a game soon. Right. We'll be at the game on the first. Uh I'll buy your food and beer if if he gets booed, and you buy mine if if he doesn't. I'm shaking. We're your talking. Hand are we talking? Let's let's let, I want to make this clear. Well, I'm talking like legit boo, like an audible boo through yeah, the SNY actual, telecast. Yeah, like, kind of. You yes. can tell that the, they came out and booed him. Yes, I'll be surprised. I'm okay, I'll banking on it. Food. I wouldn't. I'm shaking on it right now, but yeah. I wouldn't. But yeah. I think it's gonna happen for sure. I I, I, f- I have a hard time thinking that the Mets fans are gonna boo that he didn't have anything. He had. He's zero. Hasn't said a bad word about the Mets. Uh, and he's struggling and it has nothing to do with the team anymore. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see, man. I like that fun. little. I do. I like it. (laughs) I like it. Cool, man. Yeah. Really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a good set. Hopefully the Mets continue that winning streak, man. This would be a tough team. That's kind of what I'm looking for. I want to see Scherzer come out has, uh, has had some time off, um, and dominate. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's it. I think so too. Nice app. All right. Good work. Pretty cool. All right, guys. We will see you on Monday to recap, uh, hopefully, another series win against these Mariners. Uh, hopefully, we can push it to 10. 10 0 1. That'd be pretty cool, huh? 10 0 1. And yeah, we got a, we got a tie in a four game series. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. We will see you Monday. Take care. Thanks for listening to Shea Station and let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.